0: Hola, hola. What's going on, DNG's? It's your boy, Trek, and this is Trek and Cryptos to connect conversations with. For this episode, I had the opportunity to talk with Seth Estrada. He's a big-time miner in the space, and um, we talked so long that we talked for like near two hours or so. So this episode is going to be broken up into two parts. Um, this is part one, and then part two will be right after in the playlist. Also, I want to apologize in advance for the Um, sound towards the end of part one and like again it picks up again in part two but I do thank you all for coming back to listening and if you still your first time I appreciate you taking out the time to listen to this conversation that I have with Seth. Hey what's going on G&G's it's your boy Trek and today is another episode of actually I don't remember what number episode this is right now but This is Trekking Cryptos to connect conversations with. If you don't know, I will tell you right now. Conversations with is about talking to more noted personalities in the space, and it's actually about having a conversation. Like we're gonna talk shop stuff, but we're also gonna talk real life stuff, and you know what's going on with people. And today I have the chance to talk to Seth Estrada. If you are in the mining realm, if you are on you know crypto Twitter, you've come across this guy once or twice, if not a hundred times. Um I want to try to be like him in regards to having that wherewithal to do extended streams because his joints be kind of long, but I'm just not there yet. And um I don't have the following at that level, honestly. Uh so Seth, if you could enjoy yourself and we'll go from there.
1: Well Trek, hey, it's great to it's great to chat again. I mean, we connected in person at World CryptoCon in Las Vegas. And it, I had a blast just chatting with you. We did a couple of sit-downs with some projects together. And, and I just feel like you bring a very real quality to your consulting and where you are helping people, business owners specifically, the mm-hmm. the small to mid-scale business owner, start to wrap their heads around what crypto means for the business, what the implications are for the business. So that was great to be able to start the conversation and kind of start a professional relationship there in person. So reconnecting for me is a pleasure. Thank you for bringing me back on.
0: Thank you, thank you, um, thank you for coming on. Thanks for and, you know joining me in this ramble of conversation. Um, and like, so GG's just so you know like there's no framing um, questions. Um, unlike the um, everyday people segment, there's um, six to seven framing questions, and that's how that um, conversation works out. This is literally just. Me and him talk about stuff between what we've been talking about offline um, and you know um, online of what's going on in the space. And so one of the things um, I was mentioning before we actually started recording was just um, what was going on. Like I know for me personally right now, um, the rippling effect that has been this bear market. You know, like 400 plus days. Um, it has slowed up X amount of the other projects I have been trying to connect with, um, particularly certain companies I've been trying to connect with. And if you've been listening to anything I've, done, I've been saying on, um, CT or Instagram, or even on LinkedIn, my goal for this year is to really push out, um, really take Gary V's um, concept and not necessarily the whole method methodology, methodology, methodology of it, but, take that concept and apply it within the crypto space as far as pushing out content. And it's been kind of a, a, a blessing and a curse in that, you know, the, the work that I initially wanted. So like my writing stuff, um, that slowed down because of other things going on with the company. And so now it's like, well, let me start working on making this personal um, writing articles and content and stuff. And then let me start doing these little (laughs) micro um, videos, like, stories and um, feeds on Instagram or LinkedIn Um, and then of course being more consistent in pushing out podcast episodes and I will say in regards to that I've noted that um, my numbers have definitely gone up on the podcast listen I definitely note the algos are picking me up now because I found my content on sites that I didn't even know existed like funnel sites scraper sites there's a site that does review of podcasts, but like it's a real generic thing. Like they just literally pick stuff up and then just like give a little short snippet, generic description of whatever the podcast is. Um, and I just happened to find that because I was looking for something else and found that. But um, that is one of the things that is my personal goal for this year going forward. Um, and like I said, for you said like I know um, you were onto the BitTube stuff before me. I'm really trying to get that side worked out for so right now, um, as far as getting the content uploaded and stuff.
1: Yeah, sure thing. Let's talk about BitTube briefly. Uh, first thing I need to disclose that when I was at World CryptoCon, that my coverage there was in part sponsored by BitTube. So I have mm. received uh, I have received a stipend from BitTube in the past. I'm no longer on any kind of stipend. They're not paying me to to make these comments now. But there was a time where, if you see some of my media, some of the words that I said were sponsored by BitTube. So, just okay that in the open. There's a there's-
0: man. You you gotta say those things because somebody is always watching and like they keep the receipts. Like yeah, man, yeah.
1: Yeah, there there are interviews that I did half a year ago that I still get raked over the coals for because I happened to interview somebody who, or people, who, for whatever reason, the community didn't like the Mm -hmm. actions of those individuals. And now all of a sudden, it's Seth's fault for introducing these people to the community. And it's like, no, these, these people have code repositories. They've got their own websites. They've been doing their own marketing with their own marketing budget. I had them on the show. I asked them fairly direct questions. In most cases... I allowed for live questions to come through the live stream and I asked your questions. So, but like you're saying, people just they latch onto that one thing that just went yeah. sideways and it's all of a sudden it's your fault now.
0: Uh-huh. So um, I'm, I'm going to jump back to that one in a couple, but onto the BitTube thing. Um, you have been somebody who's been a proponent of it that I know of and also um, Smiley um, Genome. He is a hardcore promoter of BitTube and um did you well he's the, not
1: even a developer for Bittube. He could be, he's got that skill set. But, mm-hmm. but he's yeah. not yeah, he's he's doing it strictly strictly for the the, the, the freedom of speech. That's basically it. Yes.
0: So um <clears throat> sorry. Did you see the tweet about um oh god um about the triple X sub um subsite?
1: Yes, I did. Uh, so, and I'll just jump. Let's let's rewind some months in the past. I interviewed Saber Muram, the, the CEO of Bintube, and he was very proud to uh, to tell me about how they had launched a triple X subdomain because they they thought, okay, if we see this, we see this new platform with you know with pink content, right, with adult content then we're going to get a lot of eyeballs on this site. That's going to show web traffic. It's going to improve our Alexa ranking. It's going to give us the kind of traction that we would need for investors to come in or for the rest of the community to come in and say, hey, we're going to take this seriously because there's a lot of people using this website. But what they're discovering now is that particular approach has kind of backfired they're discovering that all the traffic on the XXX subdomain, it comes primarily from bots. They have bad actors who are uploading stolen content to that side of their site, apparently, and those same people are using bots to view their own content to try to game the system and pull some of the uh, the, the BitTube block reward that goes to viewers. Mm, okay.
0: Uh, so... Alright, I made a comment on that and I was like, well, so are we saying that, actually no, what I said was, what did I say? I said, um, it seems like a lot of people are cool with censorship. And I'm not arguing against the counter reason to be like, nah, we need to cut, like, because I think the way they looked at it was, well, let's just knock out, let's just close off the whole domain, right? Because that's what um, based on how the tweet went, which was like keep it or remove it, and I'm like, but doesn't that then just go towards the censorship thing? Like, I get the re- the rationale. It's a it's it makes sense. Like, um, if X amount of this content, the really overwhelming majority. Because until I seen that tweet this morning, I didn't look at that particular um domain. Honestly, I didn't even know they had it. Um, right. And so-
1: very, there Seriously, Trek six months ago, they were all about it. They were like, "You don't, you don't know. We got, we got this triple X domain and the subdomain, and it's gonna be so great because all these people are gonna use it. And watch out, Pornhub, because we're after you're gonna take your lunch."
0: Okay, so here's here's here, so, okay. <laughs> all right, so I didn't know about it. I looked on it, and I was like, "Oh, wait a minute." Uh, yeah, this is like all, and, and I was using it on my phone, and I'm like, "Okay, this is." all just yeah all you know stuff from just dubbed over stuff and so i was like okay um smiley G, I, I get you i understand x amount of the content is pirated the vast majority of it is so yes it makes sense to do this thing but my other argument is that it's like a, slip, a slippery slope on the end of the rationale to cut it or at least um, curated, right, is it makes sense. But then on the other side, like it still falls under the umbrella of what about the small quote percentage who are going to end up losing out because you just said, bump it, we're going to just censor this whole content by just knocking out the whole domain. Yeah. That's part that gets me, where you're going to throw out the whole thing because you couldn't come up with a more surgical solution to deal with the issue of the bots and the people trying to game the system.
1: Yeah. You yeah, know. no, I you know, and here's the thing, I think you're totally right. I think that and I think the way you phrase that is perfect. There does need to be a much more surgical solution. They need to figure out how to extract any of the content that's pirated. And because they've already set up an expectation in the minds of their of their audience that there will be this subdomain where that kind of content can live. I'm okay with that, but when I was interviewing Saber Maram, I told him like, okay, but you've only gone halfway. Where is the kids subdomain, kids.bit.2? Where is the uh, educational subdomain, edu.bit.2, where you have, say, peer-reviewed content or you have content that is uh, officially recognized by, say, MITx or other well-known online free and or um, or open source licensed, right, or creative commons licensed content that you can put there that's educational in nature and kind of, you know, uh, sort of publicly regarded as scholarly, why mm-hmm. can't that live on a subdomain as well? I mean, why did we, uh, you know, don't, you know, I know phrasing, but why did we cherry pick here and go with triple X only? Because the
0: eyeballs, it's about the eyeballs and the traffic. Okay. Yeah. So see, this goes to my whole thing too about um, how we're looking to do marketing um, and social media in the space. And so I definitely agree. Like yes, educational subdomain, definitely. Um, Like the peer review thing. That oh my, that would be that would be a great direction and idea. But I think. Mind you, I don't know any of the people of the Who's and Who's is on the Bittube and stuff, but I would imagine nine times out of ten they were talking to somebody who was in like from the traditional marketing branding space and was like, hey, well if we do blah 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 and mind you, I definitely have a big respect for how on the tech end um adult websites and adult um um what is the guy's name? The guy behind um, Pornhub. What he did? Like, that dude was a genius for what he did? But I think that people don't necessarily 100% understand how the adult industry on the tech end influence what we have out here on the everyday vanilla side of technology, social media, and, and business stuff. Um, in that, like... Oh, there was a, a meme that shows like how the what was it the the particular things got to their like million marker use. So it was like airplanes took like more than 15 years. Um, the computer took more than 10 or 15 or whatever. And then like as the technology quote went up, whatever that technology based thing was, the timeline shrunk for it to get over the million marker and like Facebook and Amazon had the really short time but like Pornhub had like a week or something for like 20 million users like <laughs> we get it people like adult content uh uh-huh. um putting moral obje- objection aside the the tech behind why it works so well for streaming for, um, um, um the paywall section so like when what uh, you know spank chain and them are doing um, in my mind I thought that this would have possibly possibly been a gateway for people who are looking to get away from chatterbait um, or um, like spank chain or whatever other one right so yeah. you don't have to, uh, creating a token. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't got to do none of that techie stuff. All you got to do is create the content. Literally, yeah. And, it, and, and you don't have the, quote, company that's taking a cut from you.
1: Right. That, yeah. No, that's, that's exactly it. Except that because BitTube is based on a blockchain, there is a, a founder's reward for each mm-hmm. block within the block reward. So there is a percentage of every block. That goes to the founding team. Here's the thing: I think you and I both know we're we're discussing this in terms of actual business. You can't run a business with zero funding, so you you have to have some kind of a margin that goes back to to whoever is creating this this uh, this technology. That's one of the fundamental flaws of so many other blockchains. And you'll get people who are kind of purists in the space; they're kind of they're kind of crypto anarchists, we'll say. Where they say like no, it's got like you got to make all this stuff free. Like why would you bother mining or why would you bother holding or trading a coin that has any kind of a founders fee when you can take the exact same code repository on GitHub or somewhere else, fork it and remove the founders fee, and then it's free. The fundamental flaw in that thinking is that you then don't retain development talent for people like like Smiley Gnome and others who would normally work on this kind of technology, you can't retain skilled laborers like that to work on the code base. They, it, they're out.
0: The bottom line is love don't pay the bills. Like I love tech, but I got these things called bills. Right? So
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. and developers, when they're any, I mean, the other, the other truism of business, of business, like you're saying, is that uh, if you're good at something, never do it for free. And developers, when they're any good, they are far from free. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yes. they they That's bill, true. and they and they bill and they bill specialists who are really good at at uh, at coding. You mm. know, they, it's common for them to be pulling down 120k a year. Totally. This is very like, common. Thing.
0: One of the the one um, project that I've been advising on for the last couple of months, like we finally got the um, the app and stuff set up, and that. The company's based out of South Africa that did it for us. And that's a it was a couple hundred K for that joint. Couple Jeez. hundred. Yeah. And I mean I mean they're doing X amount of other things on the back end for us, but it was just like, okay, this is what it's gonna be. Got you. Like, I'm not the money person. Um, I'm more of the idea guy and the, the project management kind of thing and social media stuff. But I was like, listen, like, here's my idea. We need to revamp. We all came to like, all right, this is what it's going to be. And he found that group of folks, which apparently was lower than what it would have been in the States. So
1: It's always arguable. I mean, so uh, I worked at a a company that had a a wing that they were testing out, a satellite that they were testing out in Mumbai, India. Mm. Wound up not saving them any money at all. Because... Mm. They had to pay for people to coordinate. And the moment you do that in India, you're literally upside down. You wanna to talk to somebody at seven a.m. over there, you're starting at seven PM here. You wanna mm-hmm. to talk to them through their work day, you're gonna stay up through the night. So you've got management problems. You wanna send somebody over there to show them exactly how how you do things, well now you gotta pay for their expenses. And now you have gotta to, to make sure that you have your talent retained in one place, you gotta build up a campus where they feel like, okay, they've got enough shelter. Like Maslow's Hierarchy needs a, a hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm, you gotta mm-hmm. take care of people in a way that yeah. that that you're used to being taken care of. Otherwise, they're not going to work the way that you work. So, yeah, South Africa. I'm not. I'm not shocked, but but having it be like a big cost savings. I I don't know. I I would. Uh, I, I'll trust, but I would verify that for sure.
0: Hey, like like we're already past that particular state so there's no going back now. <laughs> oh, but yeah, like, uh, you know what I, I so, all right. One of the things that I would say that I really like about the space, and when I say the space, G&Gs and your folks, um, I'm saying that as in with the blockchain crypto space, um, is that ability to be able to do the remote work stuff. And granted, like you just gave the example of, you know, if you're talking about um, having two teams in like different locations like that and like across vast um, time zones, it, it, it gets cumbersome and stuff, but it also depends on what you're doing, right? Like I know for me, um, like I said, I write for, um, uh, I'm gonna say a, a company in the space right now. Um, and I'm not saying the name just on the end of, it's kind of not... Um, there's no sponsorship or anything in this. And it's not something that I've talked with them beforehand about doing this. So this is just me doing my free talk. Right.
1: Well, Trek, this this is what I love about this particular interview is that we're, we are both uh, special operators, right? Guns for hire. And we, and we work non-exclusively as I understand it, both of us. Mm -hmm. So I I understand, I think what you're saying there, just because you have a client doesn't mean that they're sponsoring all your content. And just because you have mm -hmm. one client doesn't mean you don't have like five (laughs) somewhere else. (laughs) Yes.
0: So, um, but what I noted within this thing, so for example, like um, my editor hit me up today. My editor lives in Spain. My marketing person lives over here. Um, The founder is not American, but he lives in America. And it's just like, you can do that in this space. It's just the whole thing of finding where your niche is. Like, um, you know, we, we talked about the whole thing. And if you listen to any of my older stuff, um, my initial thing of coming into the space was about um, smart contract dev, being a smart contract dev to be able to do um, smart contract audits. Uh, since then, I have not gotten to that point, And I'm still crawling to learn the whole um, coding part of it. But within the meantime of trying to figure out how do I get compensated or or make a quote living in in the space um, and have people compensate me in it. I found writing. I had that opportunity to work out, been doing that for a couple, I don't know, since like last, was that October, August, one of those months? Um, And that's how it's worked out. Like One of the things I realized last year was that all right i'm not going to be able to get the coding job of my dreams or i'm not going to be able to just like you know freelance and knock around because i don't have the skill set to the level i needed at but what can i do what do i already know what am i willing to do it turned out writing was one of those things in addition to like doing the one-on-one sessions excuse me with people um as far as helping them understand the space and like making presentations and Doing all of the the grunt work um, and that's kind of what i I see it as now where um, if you looked at my LinkedIn thing it says I'm a CRO and granted it's a quote made up phrase, which basically means crypto resource officer
1: and I'm not <laughs> saying that that okay exactly I, I, I got confused because the last the last CRO that I interacted with was a chief revenue officer and even at that that was a, that was a, like a, a traditional tech company and I was like, that's made up. You made that title up, man. What's the chief revenue officer?
0: Okay, so I say crypto resource officer because I kind of get angsty when people tell me, "Oh, well, you're an expert," and it's like, no, I'm not. Like, there is a bunch of stuff in this space that I do not know. But if you, if we have our conversation, and you tell me what is it is that you're trying to get done, I will go and go through everything that I can to bring you practical solutions that would apply to what you need. I'm I'm not a one-size-fits-all person when it comes to um, the space in learning and realizing that it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. Like, it's just not, you know, certain, um, uh, at the individual level, you know, applications of, well, how do I get into on-ramping? Okay, well, you know, we could talk about a Coinbase or a Kraken and things like that, cool. But what happened if that's not how you wanna do it? Okay, well now we have to come up with other means. Let's go find other, you know. Um, I bring all of this up to say that what I like about this space and what has been a very interesting trick slash journey and learning lesson in this space is the ability to go from not knowing anything to knowing something And then being able to monetize on it um, and not having to do what we kind of traditionally did in the beginning. Like, generally speaking, those of us who got in early enough where it was like, oh, I'm going to go work my fiat job, change that fiat over into crypto, and then have crypto. Right. (laughs) At a certain point, I realized I don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) Like. Just give me the crypto. Just just give me that and I'll I'll work it from there.
1: But yeah, and if you can, preferably in a in a private private by default currency. Right? So then you you can declare uh I mean render to Caesar that which is Caesars, but when it's digital cash, you can declare according to cash rules of uh of tax code. There you go. There you go.
0: Um
1: but, I'm I'm with you on that. Part of the reason that I'm such a a, a big supporter of a uh, of BitTube is because they forked a privacy coin, a, a crypto note. So written in the spec, it's private by default. It's probably most closely related to uh, to say Bitcoin, not not Monero, but okay. but I hear you. And uh, this recent this surge in popularity of Grin, I think is a great thing for the space.
0: I feel like Grin just like. Um... I don't know. It, it just—I mean, I, I'm on Twitter like every day, right? And that's just on the end of being in the social media, you know, trying to do what I'm doing in it. And it's just been hit, popping up, popping up, popping up on the Twitter. And then, of course, um, I see it on um, um, on the on the YouTube side, you know. And so,
1: well, That's yeah, it's trending. Yeah, in YouTube anybody who's anybody who's in the mining space has had to make some media regarding grin if they haven't then they're missing out frankly there are a couple mm. guys that haven't and i'm like what are, you, what are you doing what are you thinking what are you mining if you're not if you're not mining grin what are you mining
0: okay so and all right we we had a early early conversation and we all and we've been trying i've been i've been trying to really pick your brain about this mining stuff within the space right <clears throat> as um As I was telling you back in uh, Vegas, like, I'm not a mining kind of person. I mean, there's certain things I would probably look to mess with, but it was always one of those, sorry, my nose is, I've been under the weather. Um,
1: Hey, tis the season still.
0: Yes, right. Um, So on the mining part, it's just like, generally, I look at it and go, well, how much upfront do you need? for hardware. And then I'm not necessarily a fan of the cloud side stuff. And it's just like, you know what? Too much, not my cup of tea or not my, not my speed or whatever. So I just like look at it at a distance and stay off.
1: Yeah. I, you know, and I, I can't fault you for that. So getting started right now with mining, a lot of people are, uh, they're, you know, they're nervous about it. They, uh, my, uh, investors in particular are looking at, all right, is there an ASIC coming out that's going to yield more per day? And for how long will it will it be profitable? So mm-hmm. ASICs like the Equihash ASICs that do um, that do uh, Zcash or Zencash, there are a lot of investors who are looking at those and thinking, well, that's a safer bet, right? Or uh, Obelisk has one with a SIA coin and people are looking at that and thinking, well, every day that has like $10 a day that's maybe a better bet, right? But then you're definitely paying several thousands up front to get that kind of equipment. hmm And it's <clears throat> delicate. You've only got three hashboards inside of that inside of that aluminum box, basically. If one of them burns out, good luck getting your warranty service honored, right? Fast. You're you're just out thirty-three percent of your daily earnings for a while until they either choose to replace it or you know, Or you just say, like, shine it. I'm going to sell it for parts or something and try to recoup my costs that way. So folks who are getting into the into the mining side of crypto right now are thinking, you know, can I afford to lose this? It's it's the same question you would ask if you're just getting into trading. Can I really afford to lose what I'm about to put down? So mm. a lot of folks are looking at it from that standpoint and thinking, well, you know, for mining hardware, nah, I can't really afford to lose that. I'm not gonna start with mining. Um, One of the justifications that I'll see the small to midsize miner, like somebody who's just mining at home, uh, one of the justifications I'll see them use is just, okay, well, you know, I wanna build a gaming rig. So I'll build a gaming machine that has two GPUs in it and I'll get really nice GPUs and maybe they earn something every day. And then when I'm, you know, when I feel like gaming, turn off the mining software Or depending on the coin i might not even have to but uh Mm. i'll turn off the mining software you know whatever i'll play a game for a couple hours or you know if you're if you're like a or if you got a real you know real problem then you know i'll I'll game through the weekend nonstop, and i won't sleep and then i'll get it mining back on sunday night or whatever or monday morning it's time to head out to work uh so there are a lot of folks who are approaching it that way and saying well i was going to get a gaming rig anyway So that's what I'm spending it on. That said, you and I coming from a business consulting background and approach, that's not the way that I would recommend that anybody get into mining. Ever. Don't spend your own money. If you can avoid spending your own money on mining gear, then avoid spending your own money on mining gear. And what I mean is form a corporation or work with a company a group of friends who are willing to like like like-minded friends who are willing to form some kind of a corporation and then make sure you earmark funds that go to that corporation or do some kind of freelance or, or contract work on behalf of that corporation so that the funds that are being spent on mining gear are not your own from a tax standpoint that they're not your own but that they are that they're part of that corporation and at the end of the year that's part of your, your company's CapEx. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If, you're not, yeah, if um, you're not profitable at the end of the year in mining, then it's, you know, then it's, a, it's just one of your losses, right? And there's, there's, there's tax recourse for that right at the end of the year where you don't have to worry so much about like, Oh no, is profit up is profit down. It's like, and who cares? It's just, it's just an equipment purchase. Write it off like you would any other equipment purchase. Hmm yeah yeah i mean
0: yeah see that like that is definitely something where like for the times that people have asked me about the mining stuff i'm like you got the money up front because if you don't like there's a whole nother avenue you can go down and like you said you know dealing with putting it under um, um the business but not everybody wants to do that 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 footwork right and then you got to be on top of your P's and Q's with the paperwork on that which once again like
1: yeah yeah you know what though i i mean i'm not going to call people lazy that's not that's not accurate but i what i I'll, I'll I'll quote um i don't know if any of your your followers would be into bodybuilding or know who Ronnie Coleman is mm-hmm. um but Ronnie Coleman was an uh, an eight-time Mr. Olympia champion and he's on record saying everybody wants to, everybody wants to be a bodybuilder, but nobody wants to lift no heavy-ass weights.
0: <laughs> I, think, I totally agree. I mean, like, so <clears throat> here's one for you. In the beginning, right, when I first started trying to come up with, like, what my, my business thing was going to be um, and what I was going to do as far as, like, the education thing and, you know, consulting and whatever and then, like, the pricing stuff. What's going on, GNGs? Just want to let you know. uh, Appreciate the likes, the shares, the comments, and all of that. Just remember, um, without you guys doing that, no one gets to know about how these conversations go, what they sound like, and what things people can learn from them. And this episode was brought to you by TrekSmartConsulting.com, where they take cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology and put content into context. Case in point your crypto asset inheritance plan do your loved ones know how to gain positive control of those coins or tokens if something happens to you if they don't or you need to have a more um, robust plan then maybe you should reach out to treksmartconsulting.com and engage in a conversation that can help get that endeavor actually more secure for if something does happen to you I had a hard time figuring out or justifying the price talk stuff, the price point stuff. Um, Because it was like, there's all this free information already out here. Why do I need to, why should I charge people for something that's already free out here? And um, what I eventually got to after x amount of conversations with people who i know who are more in the space and were more successful on the business side of it doing various things and then we're talking with other people like i would literally have like an hour plus conversation with somebody just just talking on something like oh you can do blah 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 or you know you can when i was more so about like telling people about different projects and coins and tokens and stuff um It would be like, oh, you can look at this thing, it's only at this, blah, 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 right now. And then what I realized um, was people have a higher value on convenience than they do on understanding. Convenience is, I know that if I put this the wearable device on my wrist, it will count the number of steps I do, and that's going to equal to like how many calories I burn based on whatever I was eating and blah, 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 blah. Um, How it does that is far beyond what you care about. You just know at the end result, I have the convenience of this information packaged to me on either the smart wearable device or on my phone or whatever. And so it got me to where it's like, well, Wow. People really don't care, generally speaking, about how this stuff works. They just want the package solution to what their issue is. I want to honor him. Okay, here's what you can do. I want to figure out how to have it um, um, automatically turn over trades where I don't have to actually be on it on it. Okay, well, there's this thing called trading box. Um I want to, you know, start a business that does blah, blah, blah with a blockchain solution. Honestly, that idea doesn't make sense what you're talking about. But if you do this with it, that would actually make sense. I literally have had a bunch of those conversations. That idea sounds stupid. You should go this way. All right, go and do what you're going to do. And at that point, it's like, okay, I now got it to where I say, you know what? This is a convenience factor charge. That's that's how I'm charging you, convenience factor, because you don't really care about how this works. What you want is a neat packet solution that gives you a higher level of convenience for what your issue is.
1: Yeah, no, totally agree. Uh, and that's that's been repeated over and over again in technology. It's a, it's a cycle, right? That unfortunately it leads to... Yeah. In some cases it leads to a dumbing down when people go for the convenience over understanding to, to the extreme. And unfortunately the masses will do that. You kind of have to really qualify the right client as a consultant, uh, as being somebody that's willing to put in just a little bit, a little bit extra work or a little bit extra money to gain a deeper understanding because that gives them still a competitive edge. Um, Say, for example, an audio engineer, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it to a, a different technological level here, I'm not talking about crypto, but audio mm-hmm. engineering. In the 1990s, audio engineers were cringing when they heard MP3s, because MP3s don't give you the full audio signal. Mm-hmm. They were saying, well, no, this is, I mean, the CDs were already kind of a compromise compared to, say, vinyl, because... They were already this compressed signal and you're taking the co- the already compressed signal of CDs and compressing it further and and really kind of mm-hmm. turning it into garbage. For the people that have like the golden ears or whatever, I I don't, but mm-hmm. there are people out there that do, apparently. And they were saying like, this is terrible. Why are we doing this? But to your point, it's convenience and convenience only, not because it's better in any, in any other way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It's funny. I was talking with... Um with crypto blood the other day about this, um, where, so <clears throat> we talk about this education thing, right? In 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 the in the space, and we say people need to get educated, people need to understand, and then you have this other kind of sidebar argument that says, well, no, people don't need to understand that they're using blockchain. They don't need to understand how they're using this quote technology stuff. Like, look at the internet; nobody understands, you know how um pop works or how um tcp work or like you know like no one generally understands those things unless they're really into the space right and i was saying to him how i generally agree with that but then what my issue ends up being is when you have the money grubber people or the more business minded folks and they collab with the marketing folks to then um gentrify slash propagate the understanding of like what we took or understood blockchain to be within the cypherpunk um satoshi brown vision right and so now you have it where ibm says well you know we have a blockchain solution and you can put your business model and incorporate the blockchain with it i.e hyperledger you have um um Amazon, um, with their thing of where well, hey just come onto our centralized servers that are you know spaced out globally whatever, and you can run your blockchain solution.
1: Yeah, but this is so dangerous. I mean, you, you and I both know it's so dangerous.
0: Oh, oh, okay right. So now right, like, right. This
1: is
0: where my issue comes in when you don't have a basic understanding of that part. And granted, on the techie side of it, we can agree that. Um, blockchain is no more than a um, in all basics I'm really going basic basic but it is basically a data structure in a what is it called linear is it linear I think that's the word I'm looking for but bottom line is it is a a data structure there are X amount of things that make blockchain as far as the the perspective of Satoshi and Cypherpunk different than what is being pushed out by those two entities that I named, those two corporations that I named before, right? And so you have them who have the bigger, well, the, the bigger budgets, deeper pockets. And so they're able to push out through this marketing, social media, branding thing. Here's blockchain, here's what it is. And people who are just coming to this don't understand that difference. And so when you have companies like this who are pushing the convenience factor of their simple one size fits all solution of of blockchain and crypto or blockchain, when you don't understand like X amount of the basic fundamentals of what made blockchain as we understand it, not what they're pushing, what do you do? But oh, great! That only costs blah 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 a month. All right, I'm on. Oh, I can do this, 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 and this. Great! Like, and it. I honestly look at it and go, their IBM, um, Amazon, and now Google, because Google just announced their partnership with somebody. They are literally doing like the most craziest R and D. Um, Research, research and development, and having people pay them for it, bro. Like, that's yeah. how I look at
1: that whole okay. <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's totally, that's totally fair. And it's uh, to your point also, this is dangerous. This is not good. We're at a phase right now in sort of the history of blockchain where if we don't get enough education out fast enough, then the average Joe and Jane is just going to accept this these these mass offerings from IBM, from Amazon, from Google, I mean, eventually from Microsoft as well, if it's not already on Microsoft's roadmap, and then others, right? Facebook, is they've got their own token in development. They have for a while, right? Uh, but all, all these companies, they're just going to accept it because it's offered and because it's convenient, and they're going to have no idea what the privacy implications are, no idea what the long-term credit implications are, I mean... In Las Vegas, we saw a company there that was using Hyperledger to place credit scores on blockchain. Anybody who really understands credit and anybody who really understands blockchain doesn't want that.
0: That doesn't even make sense for like credit repair, bro. That just screws up your whole bit. Like, I can't take this off your record. What you mean you can't take it? Off? Well, you put it on the blockchain, and then that totally goes opposite of how credit repair works. Like, yeah. Like, wow. Um, where was I just about to go? I was just about to say something <laughs> um on on the so
1: <clears throat> yeah no, it's um the the need for discretion in this space is uh it's tricky too because uh from my part, I've done a little bit of uh sort of i have done a bit of journalism in the space just a, a tiny bit some of it uh, can be can be called journalism, because I've had some of it be kind of real-time and very raw, some of the questions that I've asked certain projects, and in some cases, if you read between the lines with some of the responses, it's revealed with some projects that there's not much substance to what they're doing, in some cases. And Mm. that's kind of needed, too. It's this really tricky balance where you don't want to I mean, you don't want to put anybody on blast in this space. It's a really small space, right? So it's a really small glass house. So you don't want to go throwing rocks. Uh um, yes. <laughs> yeah. and yet so, like some of these things like are not even you know, they're like that Hollywood glass, right? Made of sugar, and it's like no, we just need that out of here anyway. Like this this place is weak enough as it is. We need to like start building this house out of like steel. And uh, we need to start making it like bulletproof. And so it's this really weird, really weird dichotomy where on the one hand, like you're saying, it's fledgling. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, what are other words? It's nascent, right? It's this newborn thing where we've got to really nurture it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we need it to grow up fast. Like we really need it to grow up fast. So yeah, with some, with some interviews and with some companies, you kind of have to handle them with kid gloves and with others. You've got to ask them tough questions and you've got to throw them in the deep end.
0: Yes. Um, see, and, and, okay. So that brings me in part to like with this, as far as like Trek and to connect, um, conversations with, um, my idea, and I honestly don't see having that many of these particular segments, um, just on the end of my starting point is to go and like talk to people that I either have somehow come across and we've actually interchanged a good enough number of conversations for me to be like, yo, I actually want to have this person on, you know, um, and not because I favor the person more so because, um, Like I can see having a conversation with the person because I'm not using framing questions. So that makes it a lot harder to talk with somebody when you don't have framing framing questions to drive the conversation forward. And I just don't want it to be an interview. Um, But then the other part being is, I just, I don't know that many of the quote big name people. And I might know a person here or there who can like plug me to that person. And so, you know, I'm looking to do things that way, too, eventually. But the point what I was going to was that, um, in having just a, quote, conversation, I don't want to have people come on and then it be one of, like, I think part of the issue that I'm going to end up running into is that people are going to be like, well, you know, what are your questions? And when I say, well, there's no framing questions, it's literally a conversation of us just talking. Um, all I can promise you is that I'm not trying to hit you with any sandbag questions um, and you know, you know, throw you out there. But at the first point, I wouldn't really look to have you on if I didn't figure out that if I didn't feel that we could have a conversation to begin with, but right. you know how our people are and the marketing people. And then depending oh. on how you are, and what you're doing, like your, your, um, the, the, the law folks,
1: like but yeah, they're gonna ask you for the they're gonna ask you for the framing questions up front. They're gonna ask you for any curveballs or sandbags, like you're saying, up front. They want it in an, an email and then they want to hold you to it like it's some sort of contract. Mm-hmm. You can send us in an email. You can't you can't ask me those questions. But yeah, I can. I, I can ask you anything. Right. But like, you can ask me to redact it and I can say no. Like that's unless you have a contract with somebody, it's uh, there's kind of a Again, this is a really weird space. If you want to be responsible as a consultant, and you never want to be hired by anyone. You don't want to go yes. burning everyone down, you know, burning mm-hmm. everyone's house down. But at the same time, if you want to be trusted in the space, you can't just let scammers slip by and uh, on your watch, you know? It's mm-hmm. tough.
0: It, oh, it, it definitely is. Um, I honestly think that this year, I don't know if to say... What was it that I was looking at the other day? And, um, okay, so I'm going to throw this one out there. (laughs) I'm not a fan of STOs, right? And I I say this for X amount of different reasons in that I think that STOs change the mindset of what we originally looked at For getting into this space. Now, I say that with the caveat of blockchain technology is permissionless. So if that's what you wanna do, go put your money on STOs and be exclusive, cool, you can go and do that. Right? But what I kinda wonder is how long before STOs start having the same issues that the ICOs were having. And everyone wants to argue, well, the benefit of an STO is that you have that backup, that fail safe of that. They quote, can't run off with the money or that if it shuts down, the investors get their stuff back. In my mind, people underestimate ingenuity of greedy people and just plain creative people. Like,
1: Oh, yeah. No, there are people that they, they just don't sleep. I mean, forget about getting up earlier than you in the morning. They just don't sleep. Evil never sleeps, right? right? People who, like, really want to do evil, they don't sleep. They can't sleep. They got a bad conscience, right? Like, they're always up figuring out ways to – new ways to, uh, to take other people's money. Right.
0: And, like, I always say salute to the hackers, salute to the scam people because – they come up with really creative, ingenuitive ways to be like, you know what? If I just tweak like four different parts of the CSS within this website, I can make it look like the actual original thing, but send people stuff this way. Like, and and it isn't like they just like, well, five minutes I put that together, or, you know, depending on how good they are, like five minutes I put it together or I spent like six, weeks on this six months on this example the hack that happened to opm which is the office of personnel management this is outside of the blockchain space for the us if you know anything about how security clearances and stuff go you know who opm is when they found out that their stuff was hacked that drink was like going on for more than a year or something like understand how patient like people within this in this setup is and I bring that to the whole STO thing because even though there are these new sets of rules and regulations that are like and 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 honestly they're being tested y'all like there's no absolute that's gonna say if you put money into this STO it is absolutely if it fails guarantee that you're going to get what you put back in or you're going to be able to recoup anything like oh yeah Yeah. that's the part that gets me right now
1: yeah but and to your point also if there's value and especially if it comes across as easy money that's what gets the bad guys that's what gets the the would-be evildoers out in force right out in numbers when mm -hmm. they start seeing people drop a couple million dollars on a new new coin or new token. When they see people like Envion, for example, good grief. When they raised a hundred million dollars uh, late 2017 into 2018, it was only a matter of time before something happened, right? Oh no, an unfortunate incident. We, we don't have the full hundred million dollars anymore. Gee, oh really? And uh, yeah, to your point, now with STOs, there's always going to be a way to engineer some amount, like some caper, right? Even if they don't get away with the full nut, if they get away mm-hmm. with twenty percent, and they've raised a hundred million dollars, that's enough. That's enough to incentivize a bad guy. I,
0: you know, I make that argument all the time about it's a numbers game. It is literally a numbers game. If I know that there are a hundred people in a room and a hundred people have ten dollars, all I have to do is get a percentage. I don't have to get half. I don't even need to get a quarter. I only need to get more than one percent, and I'm good because I made off with something, right? And yeah. um,
1: risk versus reward. And, and in that in that example, it's like ten bucks. You really want to try? You really want to go to jail for the night for ten bucks? Nah, probably not. But you scale that up, like you're saying, one percent of of a hundred million dollar raise. There are plenty of countries in this in this world where you can retire with a million dollars in your pocket, live like a king for the rest of your natural life.
0: Yes, there definitely are. Oh yes. And, but like look at the um the 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 hack that happened to who was the exchange that just had to happen and then it happened to them twice. Like not even a full week ass. Oh I don't want to say the name and get it wrong, but like
1: Oh Cryptopia. I, who? The Cryptopia? Yes. Yeah, New Zealand.
0: I was just like, wait. So y'all got hit the first time, didn't change anything or didn't change fast enough and then the person came back and hit y'all again? Come on. Man, you can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. Like, this is where we are. And I don't know. I just don't... I think that this year, if you're really paying attention outside of any like major events happening i think we're gonna like those of us who are in the space and really paying attention we're gonna start to see the signs of the cracking of the um, the sto shield that a lot of people especially on linkedin man a lot of people are jumping on the sto boat on linkedin oh my goodness
1: um well i mean not- unfortunately like you were saying before and uh, and I kind of interpret it to mean people, you know, not being lazy, but people sometimes not wanting to do the hard work, not wanting to lift mm-hmm. the heavy weights. Um, everybody wants to be rich. Nobody wants to actually put in the intellectual work of making sure they're not getting tricked. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, and unfortunately, the fastest way to, to trick people is to promise easy returns, fast returns. And people just keep falling for it. So, on LinkedIn, you find a lot of folks who are professionals. They dox themselves on LinkedIn. And um, it's a really great place to mine data, by the way. If you, if you want to do data mining, if you want to do growth uh, hacking, LinkedIn is pure gold.
0: Yeah. yeah. Find, I would definitely agree with that.
1: <laughs> so you um, find people on LinkedIn, and it's like they dox themselves. If they work in a specific field, generally speaking, never put, never put CEO on your name on any job description on LinkedIn because you're going to get unsolicited requests from uh, from consultants or from people who want to like sell you stuff. But you've got people who dox themselves. They've kind of identified themselves based on certain keywords as, as being a really good target for this sort of thing. So I would understand how on LinkedIn you're going to have this sort of message propagating itself has a memetic quality on LinkedIn because of how people dox themselves and how people want to give off an air of professionality and success. So if an STO is the new ICO, then yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make the rounds on LinkedIn for sure versus say like Facebook or wherever else. That and advertising rules, I don't think we're, we're so harsh against crypto on on LinkedIn this last year when, when Facebook and, and Twitter kind of did their, their crypto ad purge for a while. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. that LinkedIn was still... Was still uh, fertile soil, right? For for scams.
0: Like, um, I was just talking about that with somebody because was it like YouTube did it in December? That was like a couple hundred or some accounts. Um, now, granted, I get the argument about um, no matter the the centralized platform, x amount of it being bots and stuff, um, which it is a help to you know clear clear those out. But then you still sweep up X amount of the people who are, you know, like, who aren't scamming or who are doing the right thing and are, you know, valid um, channels and stuff. That's the thing that gets me on that whole thing. Um, But with LinkedIn, it's it's funny kind of how it works out where um, I look at that and then I recently... um, did the the Facebook thing for the podcast I mean they just came out the woodworks for friend requests and it was just like what like I don't even think you like come on man <laughs> like the, the the bots um and how the bot game is definitely changing and um, moving in the space and just social media in general um And this is one of the reasons why I kind of argue about the whole thing of um, blockchain-based social media in that it's not, I mean, all right, this might be me talking out of my element here. Um, It's a little bit more work you got to put in to dealing with putting bots in the blockchain-based social media space than I would say traditional social media. Um, I, I
1: disagree, but go on.
0: Disagree? Okay. So I'm going to leave it there then, because then I don't want to put my foot in my mouth anymore than it already is.
1: Oh, fair uh, enough. But let's well, let's talk about that. I think this is important and it, it's been coming up a lot recently where I think there are, there are a couple of things that, a couple of considerations that I think those of us in the crypto space are interested in. One is immutability of, uh, of certain kinds of information. So one of the things that makes blockchain pretty awesome is that it's an immutable ledger. You're not supposed to be able to Butts with it, right? Bitcoin is pretty awesome because you can't change the ledger. So, to kind of harken back to Satoshi's white paper, the thing that spurred all this was the fact that you have bad actors in the traditional space, like financial institutions that started messing around with subprime mortgages and then cooked the books and passed the buck back to us. Mm-hmm. And the Fed that just keeps printing money, it just keeps printing money whenever it feels like it, indiscriminately, without warning, we don't really know what the value of a dollar is that we're holding in our hands. We don't really know uh, the fungibility of it is kind of uh, suspect, so immutability mm-hmm. and scarcity and and value, having those things be connected is a pretty strong thing in terms of currency, but in terms of applying blockchain towards uh, towards uh, anti censorship, there's kind of there's that's that's a really gray area, right? Like, mm. we see Twitter, for example, kicking mm. people off the platform. And Jack Dorsey went on Joe Rogan's show recently and he got flack for not asking him tougher questions. And uh, you know, people whether you know, like him or love him, you can't really hate anybody like uh. Uh like uh what the heck is his name on InfoWars, Info InfoWars guy, right? Like oh, you can't hate him because he's just doing him, right? He's just doing his I, thing. I,
0: here's my thing on him in particular. Like I, I used to be more heavier onto his stuff, but like there is no way you can with a, a straight face tell me that the way he got blacked out on social media, like literally just bung, like just one hit and done you cannot tell me that was not a concerted effort of people who were at a whole nother level to be like all right we're just gonna cut him out Boom.
1: oh yeah no when, when guys like him i mean he was he was named by uh, hillary clinton during the election cycle right like if you listen to so and so and it's like oh my gosh like really you just named your enemy okay we, we, know how, we know how politicians do. When you go that far out of your way to dox somebody, to name somebody, name and shame, it's because you want there to be social repercussions. And now, I mean, again, like him or love him, you can't really hate the guy for doing his shtick. He got mm-hmm. feedback from his, from his community, from his tribe that kind of reinforced an echo chamber that he started to shout back into until he's been shouting so loud into his own echo chamber that maybe his is the only voice he hears. But he's found a niche that reinforces that and that supports that financially. That said, it's still a gray area, right? So when you do public calls for humiliation or uh, or violence towards strangers, there's a real threat. There's danger, right? So ISIS, for example, being permitted on Twitter to issue death threats to members of the Muslim community. WTF? That exists. Twitter allows that. But they boot this guy? Really? Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
0: That double standard is really weird. And it's like, wait, if this is all Algo, al- 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 is that a word? Algo al- 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 p- a- If this hey. is all Algo based, how did that make it past the Algo unless the parameters you put in were not including that stuff, but it was including his stuff?
1: You know what I'm saying? Exactly, it's crazy, there's this gray area, so you start to apply that to blockchain with an immutable quality to it, where now it's gone on the record, and even when that person says like, hey, you know what, I wanna recant, I don't really feel good about what I said before,
0: Okay, g there you have it. As you heard, the conversation kind of goes, you know, in a multiple directions. Um, we don't just only talk about the crypto blockchain space. We kind of get into like a little bit of personal stuff and, you know, just other things that we're looking at within the space or with, uh, outside of the space and what we're going through um, in our own lives. I know for myself, that's part of what this whole thing is about, where I want to do a Joe Rogan meets Charlie Rose meets Tavis Smiley meets um, Mike Tyson's Hot Box, but without the smoking, and you know, have an actual conversation. That's why I don't use framing questions. And this is what you get from it um, a near two hour conversation that has to be broken up into two parts for a podcast. And I just hope somebody out there enjoyed, somebody out there related, somebody out there got inspired. Um, it made you think, it made you question. And it got you motivated to look more into this whole blockchain crypto thing. That's the other idea of this whole thing about tracking cryptos to connect and the podcast and what I'm trying to do. And so that's it, g Part two will be in the next part of the playlist. Um, so stay tuned to listen to that.